Well, I'm blessed to be here tonight. I just came home last night from um, Kindle the Flame, which is Lynette Hagen's um, women's conference. And I'll, I'll just tell you, there was, I don't know how many was there this year, but I know it was well over a thousand, but somewhere a thousand, fifteen hundred ladies. And just to be in that atmosphere, hallelujah, where people, women particularly, you know, have a lot of stuff going on in your life and They'd left their children, left their family, and that responsibility. <laughs> but I, it, something just went off on the inside of me while I was just there even the first night, just seeing all those women worshiping God and just uninhibited ladies were coming down to the front and running and dancing and leaping and praising the Lord and having a blessed time. And it just, it was a, you know what it spoke to me was it was an atmosphere of expectancy. And I was thinking about it, that, you know, every time we come together, we ought to expect God to do something in our midst. We ought to expect God to do something when we come together in church. But we also ought to expect God to be doing something in our everyday lives. Amen. How many of you are expecting something good to happen to you because you serve a good God? Now, I, I don't know if you've ever said this to anyone. Uh, maybe you have. It's probably not a very nice statement. But have you ever been so disappointed in someone over and over that you have said to them, well, forget it. I've just lowered my expectation of you. I'm not expecting much from you because you just don't seem to be able to get it together. That is not a compliment. It's like saying, hey, you're a continuous disappointment, and I know that you're never going to amount to anything. To say that to somebody, hopefully no one has said that to you, that I have lowered my expectation of you. I don't think that you can ever do much or amount to much. You know, that's not a good thing. To say, and it hurts if people do say that to you, especially someone that you're very close to, someone that you love and esteem. Those words can be damaging. And you know, parents, for sure, if you have children, if you have grandchildren, our words that we speak over them concerning what they're able to do in life, the words that we speak over them are containers and they paint Pictures. If we tell our children or our grandchildren, you don't got anything going on, you're never going to amount to anything. You know what? They fall to our expectation. But if we encourage them and say, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You have the mind of Christ. I know that you can do whatever God puts in your heart to do. And we encourage them. Then they rise to that expectation. I am so thankful for my parents. We grew up on a little farm. My parents were not educated people. They were farmers, but they instilled in every single one of us. I can still hear particularly my dad saying, dream big. You can do whatever God calls you to do. And then he would tell all of us, the highest honor on the face of this earth is to serve God. And I know he's got 
big plans for you. Serve him with all of your heart. And I know that my dad even saw things on us that we didn't even see. He didn't really expect us to stay in that community. He knew the call of God would take us around the world. And it has. Those words were encouraging. We rose to that expectation. A study was done a few years ago with some elementary children. And in this study, they gave them all the same test. And they took the ones that had just kind of scored average on it. But they took them out of the classroom and they told them that they were exceptional. They put them in an advanced learning program. And to their amazement, they're all wrote, they're, all of their performance rose to that advanced level. Just because somebody believed in them and someone told them that they were advanced learners. Well, did you know that God has told you something? And God believes in you. It's important that God believes in us. And it's awesome when people will believe in you. You will rise to that expectation just like these children did. Well, I got to tell you kind of a funny story about expectation. I was just at Kindle the Flame, like I said, and some of you might know who the Hagans are. Uh, Pastor Ken and Lynette Hagan, they're, they're now the presidents of the school where we went to there in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, Rama Bible Training Center. They were here with us in October. And then Patsy Caminetti, Caminetti was just with us here a couple of weeks ago. Well, on Saturday morning... Lynette knows my uh, background, Miss Lynette, and she knows that I came out of the Assembly of God. Patsy came out of the Assembly of God. So she got this stirring in her heart after the message that we needed to sing this old chorus. It was just called Let Go and Let God Have His Wonderful Way. Anybody in here know that? Let Go and Let God Have His Wonderful Way. It's probably an Oklahoma, Texas singing. <laughs> and anyway, <laughs> so I'm sitting down on the front row and she said, I got this song. It's an old chorus. And she said, Patsy, do you know it? She's kind of like, I think I remember the word. So she says to me, do you know? And I said, yeah, I think I remember the word. So she said, you guys get up here. We're going to sing it. I said, well, you know, I'll come up. I, I was standing there like, I don't sing. I don't sing. She said, get up here and sing for support. Well, when Miss Lynette says, get up here and sing, you just kind of go, Jesus, help me. So anyhow, we go up there and they're trying to hand me a mic. And I'm like, seriously, I'm here for support. So I'm whispering the words in Patsy's ear. It's good words. Let go and let God have his wonderful way. Let go and let God have his way. Your sorrows will vanish. Your night turn to day. Let go and let God have his wonderful way. So, I mean, we were really getting into it. And it was like, wow, I felt that alto harmonizing coming on me that I used to do in Glee Club. So I have to say now. That I sing. I sing in a trio with Lynette Hagen and Patsy Caminetti. (laughs) Why did I do that? Her expectation of me was to get up here and sing. Now, I would have to say that I am not ready to be on the worship team, but I am thanking God that I do have a voice and a voice to preach. The gospel. But it was like a vivid illustration when I started thinking about that. Because she expected that of me. I rose to the occasion. Refused a mic, but I was up there in front of those ladies singing. (laughs) No, 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 no. (laughs) Did you know that we get what we expect? 
good or bad. Now, I want to share with you tonight a biblical illustration. We're going to read out of the Amplified. It's in 2 Kings chapter 13. And before we begin reading there, let me give you the background of what's going on here. This is at the end of the prophet Elisha's life. And during his reign, King Josiah, Joash actually, Joash was king of Israel. And he heard that the prophet was about to exit this world. He knew his time of departure was at hand. And so the king went to see Elisha before he died. And the prophet began to give him instructions on how to defeat the lifelong enemy of Israel at that time was Syria. So let's pick up this story in verse 15 in the Amplified. We're going to read through verse 19. And Elisha said to him, the king, take the bow and the arrows. And he took the bow and the arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, put your hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it. And then Elisha put his hand upon the king's hand. And he said, open the window to the east. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, the Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Syria. For you shall smite the Syrians till you have destroyed them. Then he said, take the arrows. And he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike on the ground. And he struck three times and he stopped. And the man of God was angry with him and he said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck down Syria until you had destroyed it. But now you shall strike Syria down only three times. What is the lesson here? The king quit too soon. Because he stopped too soon. He took the arrow. The prophet didn't tell him how many times to strike the ground. But you know, if God says, you got power and authority in this arrow, and I want you to keep striking the ground, and it's going to represent that you defeat your enemies once and for all, I don't think I would half-heartedly just go, one, two, three. If I knew that I was whooping up on the devil's ugly head, I think I'd be pounding and pounding and pounding and striking and striking with all of my might. And that's what God wanted to see. That's what the prophet wanted to see in the king's heart that he was determined to beat the Syrians, that he was fed up. With the Syrians. You got any areas in your life that you're fed up with? Well, if there are, we shouldn't half-heartedly. I rebuke you, devil. Get out of my life. Please go. Please don't bother me anymore. No, we ought to use our authority. Pastor's been talking on authority. Use our God-given authority. Use the name of Jesus. Use the word of God. And keep whooping up on the devil and don't stop until he is destroyed. 
Now we know that spiritually the enemy has been defeated. Jesus has destroyed the works of the devil. But it is our part to enforce that defeat. We know he's defeated, but many times we have to remind him that he is defeated. And God was not happy here. He said, okay, because you just kind of half-heartedly went one, two, Three, you're going to have temporary victory. You're going to win a battle, but you're not going to win the war. They're going to keep coming at you and keep coming at you. So we need (coughs) to take the word of the Lord when he says, I want you to speak to that mountain in the name of Jesus. Well, then speak to the mountain and don't be satisfied and don't be content if just a little bit of the mountain moves, just the top of the mountain goes off. You keep speaking it to that mountain until it's cast into the sea. You keep speaking to that disease in the name of Jesus until it's out of your body. And that is not a lack of faith. You know, sometimes faith people say, well, I spoke to it one time. There's things are redemptive revelation rights. We claim and we speak to it. But when it comes to things that are attacking us, we don't keep praying the same prayer. But every time that thing rises up again, we say, no, no, I'm reminding you, you are defeated. No sickness and disease. My body is a temple of the Holy Ghost and you are trespassing here and keep reminding the devil that he has been conquered in the name of Jesus. Keep beating the ground, literally keep whipping up on him. What are you expecting from God? Have you quit on some promises? That he's spoken to your heart. That you've seen in the word of God. I got three things yesterday when I was flying home on the plane about expecting from God. There are some Christians that aren't expecting anything from God. They're born again. They're saved. They religiously, religiously come to church once in a while. They just want fire insurance. They just want to know that they're not going to burn in hell for eternity, but they don't expect anything else from God. They're not looking to him as their source. They're not believing him to protect them. They're not asking him to keep them healed. They're not believing him in the area of their finances, their eyes, their mind, just completely Looking somewhere else to supply their needs. Many times people like that are what the world calls self-made. Their eyes are either on something else or their eyes are on themselves. But you know the Lord doesn't like that very much. Jeremiah 17.5, again in the Amplified. Jeremiah 17.5. Thus says the Lord. Who's that speaking? The Lord. I don't think we have our blessed... Oh, there we go. Jeremiah 17, 5. Thus says the Lord, cursed. Ooh, that's not a nice thing. Cursed with great evil is the strong man. Now that stood out to me as I read that. Is the strong man. A man who is strong in himself. A man who thinks I don't 
need God. And I'm talking about many times even Christians that they've asked him into their heart, but they haven't made him Lord. They might have said the sinner's prayer, but they're still strong in their own ability, strong in their own mind. Well, you know, I don't really need God. I don't need to bother him with my problems. I'm strong enough. I'm a man. I can handle this. The cursed with a great evil is the strong man who does what? Who trusts in and relies on frail man. No matter how many weights a man may lift. No matter how buff their bodies may get. God calls every man a frail man. Making weak. Isn't that interesting? Making weak human flesh. His arm and whose mind and heart turn aside from the Lord. Pretty heavy words there. He said the man that trusts in and relies on the arm of the flesh, they're not blessed. They're cursed because any man makes a poor God. Did you know that government makes a poor God? Your job makes a poor God. That's leaning to the arm of the flesh. Your mate can't be God in your life. No person can take the place due in our hearts to him and him alone. God must be God. Jesus deserves to be Lord. He needs to be Lord of all. Or he's not Lord at all. We had an amazing altar call today. It was beautiful to see people on their knees weeping before God and surrendering their all. Pastor Tom was singing, I surrender all. That's what Jesus wants of of us. He doesn't want us leaning to the arm of the flesh. He doesn't want us thinking, I can do this all By myself. I don't need anyone else. Did you know that that's very childish thinking? You might remember when your kids were little. Perhaps you had a strong-willed child. And the story is told of this one little boy. His mom kept putting him down in the car seat and setting him down in the car seat. So you got to sit down. Finally, she got him in there and strapped him in. And he defiantly said, okay, I might be sitting down on the outside, but I'm still standing up on the inside. And there's a lot of God's children that kind of have that attitude. Well, I'll go to church if I have to. But I'm still Lord of my life. I'm still in charge. I'm still in control. People that have that kind of attitude, I want to look at them and say, how is that working for you? The arm of the flesh can never replace the help from heaven. Hallelujah. And then I think it's interesting. The last part of that verse there. He said, whose mind and heart turn aside from the Lord. In the New King James, it says, whose mind and heart have departed from the Lord. That's interesting, isn't it? That means that there's a group of Christians that they're still mouthing the same words. Might come to church on Sunday after they've been out clubbing on Saturday night. Put on their little religious thing and come to church. 
but their heart has departed. You can't go out and live like the devil all week, come into church on Sunday morning, get your church on, get your strutting clothes on, and really be what God calls a man after my own heart. That kind of person, their heart has departed from the Lord, and they're not expecting God to do anything. In their life. Then the second group that the Lord spoke to me about. About expectation. We're talking about what are you expecting. What are you expecting of God? There's a whole group of people. That aren't expecting anything. Then there's another group of people. Born again. But they're expecting the worst. Oh man. I know God's mad at me. I know he's got my number. I know he's got a baseball bat. And as soon as I miss it, he's going to whack me on the head. I know he's going to put this on me. I know he doesn't like me. God's playing that game up there in heaven. I love you. I love you not. And I know I got the I love you not card. Oh, I'm I'm not expecting anything good. Of God. That group falls into the category. The first one was their heart has departed from the Lord. But this group that is expecting the worst of God. They don't know God's heart. Not just departed. They have no understanding of our Father's heart. How many in here tonight know that God loves you? Did you know that religion won't tell you that? Religion will tell you that you are an unworthy worm, that you constantly are missing it, and God is angry and upset with you every time you do. But that's not the Bible. The Father's heart is, I love you, with an everlasting love. The Father's heart is who can separate me from the love of God. Shall tribulation, shall peril, shall all these horrible things be able to separate me from the love of God? And the answer is no. There's nothing that can come at you in your life. There's no attack from the devil. And did you know there's really no big horrible sin that you can do that will separate you from the love of God as long as you run back to father's house and you use first john 1 9 he's faithful if we confess our sin he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness don't let sin consciousness don't let an unworthy attitude and consciousness keep you from knowing the heart of your father and keeping you from expecting good things from your father every good gift and every perfect gift it comes down from the father above the things that are good and blessings in your life is what the father wants to bestow on you sometimes people have a hard time keeping their doctrine straight well let me just help you god is good and the devil is bad When God showed up and he became God to the children of Israel, he wanted them to keep it straight that the blessing was from God and the curse was from the devil. And they had the Ten Commandments read to them. They had the blessings listed in Deuteronomy 28. And God wanted to make his point 
so embedded in their thinking that I am the blesser and I am the good God and the devil is the one in charge of the curse that when he had those prophets of old read the blessings and read the cursing in Deuteronomy 28 he had them do it on two completely different mountains the blessings were read from this mountain and then over on another mountain the cursing was read he wanted them to have a literal picture that the blessing and the curse come from two different sources two different places God is good God is love don't expect the worst from God expect God to show up with mercy and grace favor and loving kindness in your life amen then there's a third group of people this group of people there's a lot of Christians in this group there are people that have lowered their expectation there's some that aren't expecting anything some that are expecting the worst than others that one time they were believing God one time they were standing on the word they were oh I see it in the word God wants me blessed I see in the word God wants me healed I see in the word I can have the peace of God I see in the word that he's going to restore broken relationships in my life and they were getting a hold of the word and they were so tenacious in the beginning but lots of times through time and circumstance through delays and disappointments people begin to draw back and they begin without even knowing what they're doing to lower their expectation of God begin to think well I know he loves me but he probably doesn't want me to have all that he probably really doesn't want to bless me that much he probably doesn't really intend for me to be that happy I'm Okay, I'm average. You know what? God doesn't want you to just be okay. God doesn't want you to have a normal life. If you remember a while back, we were preaching on you are not normal. We're not normal because we serve a supernormal, a supernatural God. So if you've been believing God for something, don't settle for less than God's best. Hebrews chapter 10. We'll look at these verses in the Amplified. Hebrews chapter 10. Beginning in verse 35. Do not. Therefore. Fling away. Your fearless confidence. For it. Carries a great. And glorious compensation. Of reward. Verse 36. For we need. In verse 36, for we have need of steadfast patience and endurance. Sometimes don't you just wish those words weren't in the Bible? Seriously, can't we just get it now? We want to be like the lady that went to the altar and said, oh God, I need patience. Patience for my children. Patience with my husband. I need patience and I need it right now. No, unfortunately, that's not how it comes. We have need of steadfast patience 
and endurance. So that you may perform and fully, everybody say fully. Fully. Say it again. Fully accomplish the will of God and thus receive and carry away and enjoy to the what? Does that sound like fully? And enjoy to the full what is promised. Let me highlight some things. This verse tells us here. Don't fling away your fearless confidence. We have to be fearless in the face of opposition. Again, we can't do that in our own ability. We can't do that in the arm of the flesh. Circumstances show up in our lives. We face things that if I knew I had to do it in the natural and even in my spirit, kind of felt like my spiritual knees were knocking. But I'm not about to back down because I have fearless confidence. Not in me, but I know what the Bible says. The Bible says that the righteous are as bold as a lion. How can we be as bold as the lion when we are facing tragedy and we're facing difficulty? Because we know we're righteous. The righteous are as bold as a lion. The righteous means those who have right standing with God. How many of you in here tonight are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? You know that you have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. You know that you are born again. You have confidence that you can come boldly to the throne room of grace. That's fearless confidence. And then it said here, for those that will have that fearless confidence, there is great compensation. Great and glorious compensation. Woo! It pays rich dividends to obey the word of God. And it pays rich dividends to contend for the promises of God. To stand upon the word of God. Compensation is what you get paid for on your job. Well, God has a compensation program that is out of this world. He pays glorious and rich dividends. Some of you may have some investments. You may have some dividends. But I want to tell you, there's nothing in this world that will give you the return like God. He says, don't fling away your fearless confidence. Stand upon the word of God. And some of you are looking at me like, well, I have been standing. Well, I don't have a new word for you. Ephesians chapter 6 says, having done all to stand, stand Therefore, well, pastor, how long do I have to stand? We stand until we see the desired end result. Amen. It requires being steadfast, being patient, enduring. But the result is we're going to receive. I like how that says receive, carry away and joy, enjoy to The full. Get it all, says the Lord. Don't settle for less. Don't settle 
for second best. The Bible talks about there's a good and there's an acceptable and there's a perfect will of God. And I heard that in my spirit. Way too many of my children just settle way down here and say, well, this is sort of good. This is okay. But he don't want you to live in an okay realm. Om brasiba dadaha. Woo, hallelujah. Just keep on pressing in. Keep on believing God. Keep on standing on the word until you receive the fullness. The fullness. Ha ha. Until you receive God's best. And if you are single, don't take the attitude. Well, my biological clock is ticking. And I'm just going to have to marry the next thing that shows up. Because God knows, you know, this clock is a ticking and I need to have those little babies. I want to have a family. No, don't settle for second best. Don't settle for, ah, this is just okay. It's okay. He kind of loves the Lord. He sort of goes to church when he feels like it and the Raiders aren't playing, you know. it's What can you expect? This is the time in the day that we live in. No, God's got a perfect will. Woo! God's got a place where you receive fully what you are believing for. He said you can enjoy to the full. Isn't that why Jesus came? Jesus came in John 10, 10 to destroy the works of the devil. But in the Amplified, it says that he came that we might enjoy to the full, into the full, fullness, fullness of life. I came that you may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Woo! I'm getting happy. God wants you to have an overflowing life, not overflowing with gloom, despair and tragedy on end. No, overflowing with the blessings of the Lord, overflowing with health, overflowing with a good job, with prosperity, Overflowing with a great family that loves the Lord. Overflowing with a godly mate that you'll serve the Lord together with joy and gladness. Woo! Is that what you're, is that what you are expecting? That's the fact based upon the word of God. But it's not going to happen if you uh, do verse 38 of this same chapter in the King James Version, Hebrews 10, 38. Now the just shall live by faith. The just is just another word for saying the righteousness of God because you are justified by that same blood that has made you the righteousness of God. So the justified, how are we supposed to live? By what we see according to the economy, by what they tell us on CNN? No, by, oh my goodness, this is happening and that is happening. The just shall live by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight because we see with another set of eyes. 
We have eyes of faith that see into the unseen realm. And we see things that are not yet happening here in the natural. But with that eye of faith, we see them. And with that stand of faith, we grab them. And we keep on striking the ground. Keep on striking the ground until it comes to pass. Amen. The just shall live by faith. Everybody say, that's me. I'm going to receive the fullness of the blessings of God. Because we don't want to be like this. The rest of that verse. But if any man draws back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. I want to please God, don't you? Don't you want Jesus to look down and say, that's my girl. That's my boy. Woo! They're bringing me great pleasure because they're walking by faith. They're standing on the word of God. I don't want him looking down there going, oh, brother. (sighs) There they go again. One step forward and five steps backwards. There they go again, spewing off doubt and unbelief. There they go again, talking about the devil this, the devil that, how big the problem is. They forgot how big I am. That doesn't make his heart happy. I want to make the heart of my Lord Jesus happy. I want him to have pleasure in how I'm living. I want him to take delight in what he hears me saying. Amen. Of course, he said here, drawn back, that means that... uh, We have to stand. He says, my soul doesn't have any pleasure in him that draws back. Drawing back is just like stepping back. Stepping back. Last week, Pastor talked about some of you are living in reverse. That's drawing back. That's going backwards. When he says, keep going forward and take a stand. If you're in a battle and you feel like you can't go forward, well, at least stand. At least stand your ground and don't back down and go backwards. Amen. This is not the time to quit. It's not the time to back down. It's not the time to limit God. We are going to be in the fourth group of people that expect God to do great and mighty things. Anybody with me? We're raising our expectation. We're taking the limits off of God for great and mighty is our God. Over in Psalm 78, in verse 41, here again, it's talking about the children of Israel. And he said, yea, they turned back and they tempted God and they limited the Holy One of Israel. How did they limit him? Verse 42, they remembered not his hand, nor the day when he delivered them from their enemy. It's easy To forget the word. It's easy to let promises slip. And it's easy to forget what the Lord has done. 
That's why we are reminded in Psalms 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. (coughs) Excuse me. And forget not. Forget not all his benefits. We're not going to limit the Holy One here in this church. Hallelujah. And I'm not going to be limited by my voice. We're almost done. Hallelujah. Lord, we expect you to do great and mighty things in our midst. Our expectation rises. The Lord spoke this to me yesterday on the jet. Expectation is something we give God. Demonstration is what God does. Our part is to give him expectation. To say, Lord, I take the limits off of you. I know you are the most high God. I know you are the God with whom Nothing is impossible. We should never look at any kind of situation or circumstance and say, there's no way out. Because there's always a way out. And his name is Jesus. And he doesn't just kind of get us out. He delivers us in style. He always, he always, everybody say always. He always causes us to triumph in every single situation. Lord, everybody raise your hands and say this with me. Lord, we are expecting you to do great and mighty things. We raise our expectation. And we thank you that there are greater demonstrations of your goodness and your power. Hallelujah. We got our part. He has his part. He said, I will increase you more and more. Do you remember the prayer of Jabez? That was really popular a few years ago. Jabez only has one little verse in the Bible. And Jabez's name means born in sorrow. Can you imagine everywhere he went, everybody said, well, here comes sorrow. But one day he got fed up with being sorrow, having nothing in his life. And with all of his heart, he cried out and he said, Lord, Enlarge my territory. God, I know you are God. I just envisioned that a prophet came to his little village and began to talk about the mighty deeds of God. Began to talk about how big God is and that he's the one, the true, the only God. And something got on Jabez. Something got on the inside of him. And he said, I'm not satisfied with my life just being okay. I'm not satisfied with being named sorrow and having nothing good. 
good happen in my life. So he said, I know God that you are big and I know God that you can do wondrous things. So I'm asking you, Lord, to increase me, to enlarge my territory. One little verse. The next one says, God heard his cry. That tells us Jabez got his life blessed. Increase came upon him. Hallelujah. God wants to do the same thing in our lives. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. Bless the Lord.